we started off pretty small, you know, um, uh, just two people and a phone. This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. And now on to today's episode. Moving a seven-figure service-based business to productize services with AJ Pagdahl. On this episode, we have AJ Pagdahl, the co-founder of Outreach Mama and Youth Noise on the show. AJ and his partner have built a seven-figure web development agency. He shares with us his story of building this service-based business into what it is today and why they decided to move into productized services as a more scalable option. On the show, AJ shares some great insight on building and warming a cold market, simplifying black, white, and gray hat SEO, and business systemizations for six and seven figure businesses. And then we will wrap up the episode with leadership lessons from a seven figure entrepreneur. And with that, let's welcome AJ to the show. How you doing, AJ? Good. How you doing? It's a pleasure to be here. Let's jump into getting to know you as an entrepreneur, AJ, and how you built Outreach Mama and Youth Noise into what it is today. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I've been an entrepreneur for about five years. So before that, I was actually a, uh, a licensed pharmacist. I went to school for uh, six years. I practiced for about five or six years. And then um, I kind of got the SEO bug, I guess. I, I always had the, the, the startup and entrepreneurship uh kind of stuff on the back of my mind and and where I landed on that was um, SEO. So I, I partnered with um, a good friend of mine, Ronell Stewart. Uh, he's out of New Jersey as well. And we, we launched the, uh, the Youth Noise SEO agency about five years ago. Tell the audience more about what Youth Noise is and where you're going with it and why you guys decided to create Outreach Mama. Uh, Youth Noise at its core is is definitely an SEO agency for uh, local and national and e-commerce clients. Uh, we started off pretty small, you know, um, uh, just two people and a phone. So we were taking turns cold calling, and um, we actually met at a, a like a Facebook mastermind back in the day, and uh, both of us got along pretty well. Uh, you know, we were kind of struggling on our own. I think it's it's sometimes uh, kind of lonely being a, a solo <laughs> business owner. So uh, when we decided to team up, I think we both kind of uh, fed each other, motivated each other. I think that's important when you're just starting out and you're really not sure um, what to do or what the right steps are. And the first things we started decided to do when we were um, going after client SEO is to, to rank ourselves. So we decided to rank ourselves for uh, various SEO keywords across the country. So you created Youth Noise, which is now you know, a seven figure business, but you're moving into building up what you call outreachmama.com. And can you explain to the listeners why you decided to create that? You know, Youth Noise, I think we hit the seven figure mark um, a, a little over 12 months ago. And it, it was a huge accomplishment. Everyone was really happy and excited. Um, but before that point, we were actually, we were trying to balance our internal team with um, a lot of external vendors, especially when it came to like quality content creation and quality link building. Mm -hmm. And we'd always run into the same wall over and over again, where um, some of our vendors, they just kind of, you know, they'd miss deadlines or the quality wasn't up to snuff. And, you know, when you're, when clients are paying you top dollar for monthly services and you're, you're giving them sub-quality work. It's just not a recipe for success. So 
uh, we ended up doing lots of blogger outreach, um, you know, building up a huge database of bloggers that'll, that'll take our content. And at some point, uh, we built up such a, a strong database that we figured, well, you know, this database is great for our customers. Um, it can also be valuable to other agencies. And that's kind of how um, Outreach Mama was born. So I want to go back to the beginning days when you guys were picking up the phones and doing a lot of cold calling. How long were you cold calling before you no longer had to? So I can I can comfortably say that um, cold calling was a complete crash and burn for us. I mean, neither okay. one of us are really sales guys. Um, you know, we got on the phone and we were just like, uh, what? Like, do you want SEO? Like, you know, the, the standard stuff that I think um, a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And I've learned now that like the proper way to do a like a, a cold sales funnel is really to offer value first, and then uh, as you build trust with them, start offering services and stuff like that, and that works a lot better. Um, but back in the day, you know, we were just kind of we were doing what everyone else does when they pick up the phone and they just say, "Hey, you're from XYZ. Uh, we noticed your website is XYZ, and and would you be interested in learning more about our services?" Right? And very rarely would that work. Um, so. Uh, we struggled with that for probably eight months, and it, it really wasn't until we ranked our own website um, to the top of Google for some really good SEO company type keywords mm-hmm. that we started getting solid inbound. And and when people started finding us, we got more comfortable with you know creating proposals and selling and uh, objection handling and stuff like that. So I think uh, at the end of the first year is when things really started to get some traction. Now, are you guys still building your cold funnel today? We are. We are. We have to. Um, I'm a big fan of not putting all your eggs in one basket. Uh, you know, there could be some update next week or something and, and mm-hmm. all of our rankings are gone. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty paranoid guy, uh, generally <laughs> and cold outreach is kind of like that. Um, it's kind of like that mythical, like creature that like you have to conquer in order to really start scaling an agency. Um, but now the, the way I approach it is kind of like, um, on the back end where I'm, I'm currently trying to like think of an outreach system and I have salespeople in place who can actually uh, like do some of the outreach and I have lead generators who, who can build up prospect lists and we like we put in some kind of automation and value propositions and uh, I've learned that with cold outreach it takes consistency it takes volume and it takes um, a constant follow-up all with like while you're providing value like if those things are there you can you can get some solid conversions what are some ways some value propositions or ways that you guys are offering value for your cold funnels yeah i think um you know most seo agencies like they'll kind of default to the uh like free seo audit kind of thing and and while that's that's nice in theory i think it's just kind of overplayed unfortunately um, and a lot of the, like the uh, the audit tools, they'll they'll generate kind of weird junky data, and business owners don't really know what that that means. So what we decided to do instead is, um, first of all, we'll hyper focus. So you know we won't just target like uh, any particular industry. We'll kind of develop a funnel for one particular industry. So it, it might look something like, um, let's say we're targeting plastic surgeons uh, nationally or in a particular state. Well, we might build up a relationship with um, uh, like a local news website in that state. And we'll we'll come to them with the idea of, uh, hey, we're doing this marketing piece on um, on on twelve plastic surgeons in Houston. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna share their their best marketing tips about uh, doing local business in the Houston area. Would you like to feature that article? So we'll get this like 
uh, let's say we get this uh, Houston newspaper interested in our content, um, then it, then we'll go out and identify maybe a hundred plastic surgeons in the area, and we'll reach out and say, hey, we're working on this interview for uh, HoustonNews.com. Uh, we'd we'd love to get you on the phone and ask you a few questions. Uh, we'll we'll mention your article. We'll mention your business in the article with a link back to your website, and oftentimes that's enough to pique their interest, mm-hmm. right? So. If they get on the phone, if they schedule an interview, we'll actually do the interview, and they actually do get the link. Uh, but it's an opportunity for us to introduce ourselves and our services at the same time. So are you and your partner actually reaching out to the news agencies, or do you have somebody else that's doing that? So it's all systemized now with, with um, you know, employees. Uh-huh. Um, we're, we're, I'm kind of at the, um, at the point of uh, doing strategy, analyzing, and kind of like doing weekly meetings to make sure things are going okay. What have you found? How many news agencies do you have to reach out to before you get one that wants to connect and wants to form a relationship or partnership with you guys? Yeah, so all you really need is one, right? Um, And depending on on where someone is uh, at their stage of business, if they're completely unknown, um, then obviously, you know, you probably have to reach out to 50 to 100 or you kind of have to hustle to get yourself listed in some really high-end publication like a, like a Huffington Post or, you know, get a mention using something like Harrow. But what's important when you're reaching out to new sites is um, that you're coming from a place of authority. Uh, and a place of authority would be like, oh, um, I'm, I'm the founder of Youth Noise. Um, we've been mentioned in publications like Business Insider and Entrepreneur.com. Um, we'd love to do an article for you uh, about... The, the state of marketing in Houston, right? So if, if you figure out how to come from a position of authority and then do follow-up and outreach consistently to like say 50 to 100 uh, news outlets, you can definitely get a few a few fish out of that. Okay, let's talk SEO 2017. What do you see in these days that's working for ranking websites? I mean, the story is kind of, it hasn't changed much from 2016 or 2015 or 2014. I mean, it's still really good content on your site and uh, really good backlinks off your site. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's obviously new wrinkles all the time with like click-through rates and, and like semantic optimization and uh, branded search influencing, like influencing uh, your your different query visibilities. So, I mean, things always change, but like I think people tend to overcomplicate it. So. It's all about how can you create good content and promote it, and how can you keep driving quality backlinks. Okay, so I'm not a techie guy, and I know you're a techie guy, and I have other fellow entrepreneurial techie friends. And when they start talking about software and SEO, the the stuff behind the scenes with website design, my mind goes to, like you guys are speaking mandarin chinese Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so so i know there's other entrepreneurs out there that don't get this stuff like you guys do so what i wanted to kind of address aj is i noticed on your website you have examples of agencies that create spammy links that get ranked really quickly and then other agencies that have a bit higher quality links that google actually trusts but they're still at risk and then there's agencies like yourself that create super high quality links from great content so could you explain the difference between those and how other fellow entrepreneurs could mm-hmm. know the difference between those and know if their agency is using this form this form or this form yeah, I think that's a really good question, and, and there's there's obvious distinctions between all of them. Um, and just from a, a thousand foot view, uh, a backlink is is 
a link from one article on a diff- on one website to uh, another website, whether it's linking to a homepage or an inner page, but a backlink is basically just one vote from one from one website to this other website. Google's crawling it and they're uh, they're indexing everything and and they look at all of your backlinks, they compare it to your competitors and and based on who's got the most quality, the most relevant signals, uh, they're the ones that show up on top. Um, SEO has been around for a while. Uh, link building has has been around for twenty plus years, and it, it, the basis of it is still pretty similar. A link is a link. Uh, what what Google has gotten really smart with, I'd say, over over time, is uh, being able to identify what the quality link is, what a trustworthy link is, what a relevant link is, um, and if you're if you're able to kind of identify the differences between each one, uh, you'll you'll probably have a much better time in terms of staying safe with the algorithm. So something like a high quality, like the highest quality link, of course, is is like Forbes or Entrepreneur or, or like TechCrunch or Mashable or somebody of that ilk uh, writing about your industry and linking to your website within that article. Like those are supreme, right? Uh, most websites that are on page one of Google, uh, they usually have some kind of uh, links from websites like that. Then there's the, uh, the, the tier right after that. Um, and like a lot of times, we we identify these by their uh, their domain authority, which is a Moz metric. Uh, if you go to like Moz.com, M-O-Z.com, you'll read about domain authority, and it's it's basically just the measure from one to four hundred. Every website uh, has a domain authority. Uh, the higher the domain authority, the better. Uh, websites like Google have a domain authority of of like a hundred, uh, whereas like a, a local plumber in New Jersey might have a domain authority of ten. But they're still ranking because. Um, it depends on the competition that's around them. So if you think of like the Forbes guys who have like domain authorities of 90 plus, well then you, you have like the, the mid-tier guys who are like domain authority 70 to 50 who still have really good websites and they have good traffic and good social media following and they're creating good content, uh, but they're just not nearly uh, as difficult to get links on um, or, or as well known as like somebody that's, that's not directly in their niche. Getting those kind of webs, getting those kind of links is great. It's just uh, they're harder to get. Uh, it takes a lot of outreach, and if you're trying to pay for those kind of links, they're very, very expensive. Does that make sense so far? Yeah, definitely. Cool. So then, uh, then you have your like let's let's call them like your domain authority 30 domain authority 40s um a lot of these like are can be like personal blogs you know they can be like um mom blogs or like uh, a tech bloggers blog or you know maybe even like multiple authors um but they're usually like uh like passion websites or they're talking about the tech industry or business or entrepreneurship and uh those links can be very valuable and as, as well and a lot easier to get um so when like when we're talking about like uh, guest posting for SEO, mm-hmm. I'd say a lot of times businesses are, are getting links um, from websites like these, and, and they can help a lot with SEO, and they can keep you out of the the algorithm filters because they're still run by real people. They have traffic, they have keyword rankings, and they have a good social media presence. Uh, all four of those things are really, really important for uh, for staying on Google's in Google's good graces. Let's dive into market automation. What are some tips? that you would recommend other entrepreneurs out there to get their marketing more systemized and automated? Yeah, I think marketing automation is tough for uh, a lot of people. Um, it, it's 
up until a while ago, it, it was even tough uh, for me because, I mean, there's a lot of uh, cost barriers involved as well. Uh, but it's gotten to the point where there's actually a lot of really affordable tools out there now, right? Like Active Campaign is, is super affordable. Uh, Drip is really affordable. And the idea, uh, if you have a website and, and you want to do marketing automation, the idea is obviously you're, you're capturing leads from your website uh, and you're figuring out ways to qualify them in an automated fashion uh, so you know which ones to actually focus your time on or you know which funnels to send them down if you're like running like a SaaS or something like that. Uh, so what I've found is it takes an incredible amount of planning to do marketing automation correctly. And you can kind of think about it as like um, as different stages in the funnel or the top of the funnel is kind of like your, your catch-all where let's say you're, uh, let's, let's take Outreach Mama for example. Um, Outreach Mama is a, it's a link building service, right? So I'm trying to get in front of other SEO agencies and other brands who might be interested in boosting their SEO through links. Uh, so like the top of my funnel would be um, like a, a link building case study that we're working on. We might say, uh, subscribe to our link building case study. Uh, we're going to send you a monthly email uh, with updates to, to show you the track progress and give you updates. Um, so A, I've identified people who are interested in links um, and they're, they're interested in engaging with the brand. So let's get them into that funnel. And then if you're using something like an active campaign, uh, what we end up doing is a lot of lead scoring where uh, if, if certain people are opening every email, if they're, click, if they're clicking through every email, we assign them a certain upgraded score. And you know, at the end of like, say, five emails, if, if that score is, is looking pretty good, uh, then it goes to uh, one of my salespeople. And, and they'll be prompted with the, you know, just follow up directly, uh, see if there's any opportunity. Whereas if nobody's opening the email and it's been five emails, um, they might get an, another message that says, hey, we noticed you subscribe, but you haven't been opening any emails. Uh, is there something we can help you with? So kind of figuring out those different funnels and, and how that applies to your business, I think would be really important. So AJ, I want to jump into two things I want to talk about. The difference between the six-figure and seven-figure mentalities as an entrepreneur, and also I know you're into business systemization, the difference that you guys, the differences that you guys had between um, your systems when you were a six-figure business and what changed when you hit the seven-figure mark. I think, um, I mean, getting, like, getting from zero to, to 10K a month was honestly probably the, the hardest thing we had to do. Uh, obviously, getting from 10K to 100K is also quite difficult uh, per month. But that, that first zero to 10 was so difficult because you didn't really know what your mentality needed to be. Uh, you were kind of feeling your way out. You were feeling out your customers, and you were trying to figure out your own value propositions. Um, at the Once you hit like kind of that, that 10K mark, and you know if you extrapolate that out, that's, that's over six figures a year, right? So at least you're kind of like, okay, I'm a six-figure company. Um, I have some traction. How do I, how do I get to the next level of uh, six figures a month? And I, I think at that point, like that's when we stop doing all of the work ourselves um, because it, it takes up so much like, like mind space if you're if you're trying to deliver on the work while you're trying to grow the company. So the very first thing we did at that stage uh, was really uh, hire uh, our first project managers to kind of take over the day-to-day -day communication. And, you know, we use uh, tools such as um, 
as Upwork to find a few. I've used um, oh, there's this um, this uh, hiring uh, website for uh, work from home moms that works really really well for finding uh, high quality project managers. But once we got the training down, the systems down in terms of like this is how we run campaigns. Uh, these are our virtual assistants. This is how you talk to how how everyone talks to each other. It it gave us more time to to work on the sales part of it. And I think as we started kind of building up our, our lead gen system um, and and not having to focus so much on delivery, I think that's that was really, really instrumental in going from uh, the, the 10K a month to 100K a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but like now getting from 100K a month to, you know, 500k a month for example uh that's that's still a formula i'm i'm still trying to figure out myself (laughs) anything you can add about uh, systemizing the difference between your systems at five figures and six figures and seven figures and how much they changed i think one of the problems with um being an agency sometimes especially when you're the founder of the agency is it can be really difficult to turn down revenue yeah. Um, you know, if a client wants you to do services and, and maybe they want you to work on the, you know, like a Magento platform and you're like, well, I, all, my team knows WordPress the best. Right. Uh, but they're like, oh, but here's five thousand dollars a month. We're like, oh, we can figure it out. <laughs> right. And <laughs> and we probably can. Um, it's just it, it throws a wrench into the system. So now we're like, you know, there's this extra step and like we're feeling through the process and uh, it adds like a lot more stress to project managers and up and down the line, like there's more issues. And that's, I think that's the problem of like undisciplined agency life sometimes is, is when you try to do everything custom, it's really hard to generate a system for it. Mm. Um, you know, especially for, for us because um, we're, we're fully virtual and, and I'd like to stay that way. It's just, um, there's a lot of consulting companies that can take anything you can throw at them, right? But for, if you want to be like a, kind of a smallish firm, you really have to stick to, uh, we're, we work on WordPress, um, we, we work on, you know, local SEO or we work on like SEO for SaaS, but like trying to do too much, it really takes away from systems. Uh, I think that's, that's probably one of the reasons why, um, Outreach Mama is, is so much easier to, to manage. It's because it's more of like a productized service, which I, I think people should kind of gravitate more towards. Um, because I, I found that if it's productized, it means that your delivery team, uh, is less likely to make mistakes because the the delivery the deliverables are pretty repetitive, right? And for your salespeople, like it's a lot easier for them to sell as well because uh, it's repetition. At a certain point, they know all the frequently asked questions, um, they know the objections, and they're not trying to figure out like this custom stuff uh, back and forth all the time. Like for youth noise, um, I'm I'm still very involved in the sales process because. Well, as an SME at the top, um, it's really hard for your salesperson to have the same answers that you do. And I, have you ever read the book um, Built to Sell? I have not. Built to Sell really kind of opened my eyes to uh, some of the things I was doing wrong in terms of, you know, if we have a goal at the, you know, at the end of 10 years or so to kind of like build a valuable company and to, you know, to sell it at a decent multiple, um, I, I just... Like doing so much custom work, uh, it, it's not good because it's very agency owner driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and once a, once another business wants to buy you out, well, 
like, are you willing to come on as an employee as well? No, right? Because you want to you want to sell the company, you want to move on to something else. Um, but if there's nobody else that you can hire with your skill set, if there's no systems, um, if there's no SOPs, then you're you're just not attractive business to them. And even if they do buy you, it'll be for like for some kind of earnout or the multiple will be really low. And you know, to me, that just wasn't an attractive prospect five, ten years down the line. I, you know, I found that um, I read a. Uh, I think it was um, Brian Castles. He had a, a course called Productize, which I, I thought was really interesting. Um, it's kind of like a lot of a lot of business owners right now are are like are going towards the either the SaaS model or like the agency services model. And I think Productize services are just starting to pop out. Productize services are are like um, you know it's it's still a done for you service, but it's just like a it's like a it's like very targeted service. So you're not doing everything. And it's not fully end-to-end managed, but it's this one really, really important thing that really solves this this big pain, uh, and you figure out how to do it better than anybody. So, you know, you can you can make the SOPs and you can train people and you can sell it much easier, and uh, that's that's kind of the the model that I want to get towards because uh, I, I just I think it's very valuable. How big is your team, AJ? Uh, Youth Noise is fifteen people. Uh, Outreach Mama is five. I'd like to learn um, some of the things that you've picked up about team building and leadership over the past few years from building these businesses. I found that uh, you know if if I'm having a bad day or a stormy attitude, uh, suddenly my my <laughs> I like that. <laughs> suddenly my entire team is also having a bad day. Right. It's it's this weird dynamic. Whereas if I'm having a good day and you know I'm I'm appreciative of the work that people are putting in, well, you know, suddenly it's a it's a much clearer sky out there. Um, so I, f- I feel like uh, most organizations there's kind of a you know um, who, whatever the the leadership disposition is, that's kind of like what the company disposition is going to be. Um, and it, as a founder, it can be really hard to, you know, to point fingers and, and, and blame an employee or, but really it comes down to, um, the company is going to function on how the, the, the leadership sets up the company to function. Uh, so if you're, if you're, uh, putting people that don't have certain experience in certain situations, you know, of course things will go bad, uh, if you're putting people in a situation where they've been trained, they have experience, they know what's going to happen, things will go good. But I think it's leadership's job to provide motivation, but also to kind of like put people in the best position to succeed. Uh, I remember when before I started my company, um, I, I worked at this job and I was kind of like um, an on-site manager for um, this like client services engagement. And on the side, they also had me like, like building up prospect lists and like uh, cold emailing different prospects and stuff like that. And I'm like, like one thing I said to um, my boss at the time is, hey, there's like, like in the Philippines, you can get like really affordable assistance to kind of help you with tasks like building lead lists and stuff like that. And I, I think doing something like that would be really valuable because it would allow me to focus on X, Y, Z uh, while these, you know, lead lists are being built. Um, so that got shot down. And I just, I just felt like, you know, sometimes um, the, the skill set I had wasn't being used the right way. And I, I never want my employees to feel that way. So when I identify that um, an employee is doing really well at one thing, 
um, whereas they might be struggling at, at something else. Uh, I, I think it's it's up to leadership to you know to figure out where that struggle is, how you can improve it, and whether it's through a better process or you know uh, bringing someone else in that can that can help augment it and make it better. I've I've seen like five. 10x improvement in terms of you know the the end deliverable the time to getting deliveries um and, and that's that's you know, kind of how i've been looking at how we how we productize stuff like i think it's also important to to listen um to you know some of your employees i know when i first got started in youth noise i i probably spent maybe a year um just like like in the weeds, like learning SEO. Like I don't think I shaved for like six months, and I, <laughs> I had like arthritis in my fingers because all I was doing is typing. And like I, you know, I was at the point where I thought I knew everything. And I mean, really, with SEO, you you don't know anything even even ten years into it. <laughs> but I, I found that once I kind of started opening myself up to uh, to other people's input, other people's opinions, um, it's kind of like pulling from a different data set. It like helps you get much better breakthroughs that you can apply to your own business. So keeping an open mind with your employees, talking to them frequently, getting their insights, um, that's also really, really big. And uh, it's important for leaders because sometimes you can kind of get caught in like, you know, your own your own tunnel. Um, but making a concerted effort to, to stay away from that is, is just beneficial. AJ, is there any other tips or tricks or just general information you'd like to share with the listeners yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing I, I did want to note is, um, you know, I think a lot of your listeners are probably they're probably startups or they have some traction or they're they're trying to dial in a, a new marketing channel or their first marketing channel. And I, I wrote this um, this article on my blog called uh, like Psychology of SEO, and it's basically like the mind games that the Google algorithm plays with you uh, mm. to make you give up on SEO early. <laughs> okay. And it, it's based on this Google patent that they filed in 2011. And like I've I've been living it for the past five years because I feel like whenever we're working on a campaign, we're doing everything right, we're building the right links, we're creating great content. And if we're if we're looking at the rankings, what's happening? Um, things are either completely flat, they're up marginally, or they're like randomly going down, right? Uh, for even six nine months sometimes. And uh, I see trends where you know you're you're doing this activity and you're doing it consistently and you're not getting the rewards that you want and then suddenly one day whether it's three months four months six months nine months down the line uh, you get your first really big jump where if you're tracking 20 keywords and the average position is say 30 well then the next day your average position will be 19 and then uh, a month or so later that average position could be nine again. And I, I see this pattern frequently, where the first six months there's nothing, uh, and then you know the next six months or, or 12 months you get some really big jumps. So, as a business owner, um, I, I wish I knew this going into it, right? Um, if you're a business owner out there and, and you want to get into SEO and, and you want to get start getting more traffic, just just make sure you don't get demotivated in that first six months. Keep focusing on on building up good content. Keep focusing on driving really good links. Uh, even if you're not getting the results you want, eventually they're going to hit because that's that's just how the algorithm works. It's just good content. It's good links. Uh, all of the other randomness is just ways that Google is kind of messing with you. 
AJ, if there's any listeners out there that want to reach out to you, where's the best place they can get a hold of you at? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, A-J-A-Y-P-A-G-H-D-A-L, or just uh, just email me, AJ at OutreachMama.com. Thank you, AJ, so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your, your wisdom and insight. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in again. We're going to wrap up the episode today and see you all on the next episode. Bye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for those that are in the Entrepreneur House, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year, we have three different events, a three-day productivity weekend in different cities all around the world, a two-week all-inclusive retreat for entrepreneurs with six-figure businesses. This will be full of workshops, masterminds, and adventure. Then a four-week event in Chiang Mai, Thailand for established entrepreneurs, also full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. These events will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested in have some questions, be sure to contact us through the entrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact. We will respond as soon as possible. For now, saludos from somewhere in the world.